This is Burning Brightly, a podcast for Christian moms who are feeling called to build a business and share their light with the world. I'm Bonnie Wiscombe, a life coach, mom, and entrepreneur, and I'm honored to be your guide as you face this business building adventure full of highs, lows, and everything in between. This is where we help each other find the courage to shine. Welcome back to Burning Brightly. I hope that many of you were able to register for and access our Life Coach Launch Codes Audio Summit because it has been so much fun putting it together. I had a blast interviewing five incredible coaches who help other business owners get clarity in different aspects of their business. And I learned so much. I think those of you who have already listened have probably learned a ton. And there is still a chance to access this information through the end of this week, through December 9th. So if you haven't signed up, please do. The link is in the show notes. It is totally free and you get to access six unique trainings from all of us that will help any life coach or content creator get really specific on their business and finally get it up and running in a way that is sustainable and scalable. So I hope you love it. Check out that link and uh, let me know what your favorite episode is once you get a chance to listen. Now let's get started on today's topic. I am going to discuss with you something that I have put together that I like to call the Pentagon of Personal Priorities. Yes, I could have called it other things, but I really like alliteration. It makes me very happy. And so it's going to be a Pentagon, okay? A star, if you will. But we're talking about the priorities that each of us needs to have to make sure we are a whole and complete person. This is essential if we are going to be of any use to others in our life, if we want to serve our families better, our friends better, our communities better, and if we want to build a thriving business. Because if you try to build a thriving business and you are broken inside in some way or another, or you are neglecting some self-care, it will all come tumbling down one day. Things will get worse and it will be much, much harder to survive in life in general. So let's talk about how to make sure that these priorities are in alignment while we build this amazing business so that we don't neglect ourselves in the process. Very easy to do when you are a busy working mom. Now this Pentagon obviously has five sides and each of these sides represents one priority that each of us should have and should be the top five priorities in my opinion. Now all of these priorities are personal as the title suggests, personal priorities. Now we are going to have other priorities as well, that of family, that of church obligations, community obligations, etc. But if we don't fulfill our own personal priorities first, our own personal self-care first, we're not going to be of much use to everyone else. So these five priorities include physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, and creative. Now, these concepts are not new, and it's not new to consider balancing all of them, although most people don't include the creative aspect. I'll get to that later because that's what, that one is my favorite. But... It's important to understand what a multifaceted, complex being we are. We're actually made up of two very different entities. One is our body, including our mind, and the other is our soul. And the two together do the greatest work. I believe that our soul continues to go on and do work after this life, but we do the greatest work together. However, the mind and body and the soul need very different things. The body needs physical self-care, mental care, emotional care, and the soul needs that spiritual care, also emotional and creative. So there is some overlap for sure. But what we want to remember here when talking about the body and the soul is that the body defaults to survival tactics. It's very important to the body that it stays alive. That's its number one goal, whether we like it or not, which means expending minimal effort, trying to acquire maximum pleasure, which is great for staying alive. 
right? We want to expend minimal effort, maximize pleasure, but it's not so great for reaching our big goals because it usually requires more effort, less pleasure to reach those goals. This is when things get hard. When our body and mind are like, oh, I don't want to do that. That sounds hard. That sounds annoying. That sounds frustrating. I want to just sit and eat this Ben and Jerry's right now. But that is the goal of this life is to battle that natural man, that natural woman, and allow the soul to thrive with the body. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is how to reach those goals while first taking care of ourselves. But here's my list of the basic physical necessities for most of our bodies. It looks like seven to nine hours of sleep. Yes, that sounds like a lot. And it's probably what each of us needs, even when we think we don't. It looks like two to three healthy meals each day. It looks like a daily shower and basic body maintenance, as in caring for our hair, our teeth, our clothes. It looks like some form of modest exercise. You might like to do more exercise than just modest, but it looks like some sort of moving your body. And it looks like some sort of outdoor time, preferably in the sun, if possible, getting some of that sunshine. Now, we might notice that we're in a phase of life where we can't get most of these every day. That might be a clue that we're in survival mode. I know when I have tiny babies at, who are getting up in the middle of the night or require that 5 a.m. feeding, I'm probably not getting a lot of exercise. I'm probably not getting the sleep I need. Probably not getting a lot of outdoor time. I'm just kind of hunkered down inside taking naps when necessary. That's survival time. Or it could mean that we just need to make some changes. Maybe we're not prioritizing these things and we probably feel the ramifications of that. Now, I want you to think for a second about the idea that your body is your life's vehicle. So in order for you to live your life, you need a way to get around in that life. And that way that we get around that vehicle is our body, our physical body. If we do not care for this vehicle, if we don't give it the right fuel, the right rest, the right maintenance, it will cut our journeys short. That's hard to think about, isn't it? So caring for our body is not for us. It is a little bit for us, for sure. It is also for so many more people than just you. It is for your family. It is for your community. It is for your faith congregation. It is for the world. If you want to live in this vehicle for decades to come, you better start taking care of it. If you do not, your children will suffer. Your spouse will suffer. Your community will suffer because you will not be available to serve them. That might be, sound a little bit harsh, but I want us to be very clear that caring for our body is not a luxury. It is a necessity. And it is something that we owe to our families. We owe it to them to be around as long as we can and to do so in a healthy way so that we're not a burden on others as much as possible, obviously, because these bodies are just going to fall apart eventually. But we want to care for it as much as possible in order to maximize our impact and minimize the pain and suffering that we endure and that our loved ones endure. Now, why do we struggle with this? Why is it sometimes so hard to care for our physical body? Well, I think for most of us, we'd say that it feels selfish or we feel lazy. We don't want to. I might not make the time to care for my body physically because other things feel more important. Or maybe I just don't know how. Maybe I really want to eat healthier and I, I just haven't been taught that or I haven't taken the time to learn. Mostly in my experience, it's because my priorities are a little bit out of whack or I'm just feeling a little bit lazy. I could exercise, but it's dark outside or it's a little bit cold or I don't know what to do or I'm a little bit tired. So ask yourself, why do I struggle consistently with this? Maybe it's the sleep. Maybe it's that you don't get outdoors very often. Maybe you just like to skip showers because it sounds cold in the wintertime. <laughs> but where do your physical self-care struggles manifest and how can you overcome those? So here's a few tips for mastering it. This is how we're going to break down each one of these priorities. What it is, 
why we might struggle and how we're going to master it. So how we master physical self-care is coaching always. Coaching is going to be the answer for how we master every one of these, okay? But ask yourself, why do I not do these things? Why do I maybe not want to do these things? Am I telling myself it's a selfish desire to go for a walk or take a nap? Am I maybe not communicating to my family that it is a priority? Because we can use every excuse in the book for not taking care of our bodies, but in the end, it's always up to us. Do I want to communicate to my family that I need this and then go out and do it? Or do I want to just keep ignoring it? So many moms wait for someone else's permission to care for themselves, but it is not our husband's or our kid's or our neighbor's job to remind us to take care of ourselves. It's our job. And spoiler alert, your kids are not going to all sit in a row and be like, mom, you know, we we could just tell you're a little short on sleep. So we're going to just be really quiet today while you go take the nap you need. Hmm. I don't think so. (laughs) If your kids do do that, can I please adopt them? (laughs) So it must be up to us and we must take the initiative. I actually really like, this might sound weird, I really like when my kids get upset when I go running or when I stop to feed myself a solid meal before granting their every whim because I think it makes them feel some discomfort and acknowledge that life is not all about them. Any kid that thinks life is all about them is going to have a rude awakening when he turns 18 and moves out of the house. Now, obviously, I don't want my kids to be uncomfortable or suffer in any way, but sometimes discomfort is important. I think what it does is it teaches my kids a little bit of selflessness. When they've been fed and they've been given water and I sit down to eat a meal and they ask for seconds, I say, nope, mom's eating her food now. And hopefully it gives them permission when they become a mom or an adult to care for themselves as well and make sure that they're not constantly in survival mode. So that is our physical self-care. Let's talk about spiritual, the spiritual side of things. Spiritual is just as important as physical. You guys, it's so easy to skip over this one, but this is your soul's foundation. It is your relationship with your creator. So what does yours look like? What does that relationship look like? What does that foundation look like? Does it fluctuate maybe? Mine does. Sometimes I'm really great at caring for myself spiritually and sometimes I'm not so great. Are there certain things that make this better or worse? Maybe your relationship with God is a little better when you do this thing or that thing. Maybe it's a little worse when you don't pay attention to these things. Do you make time to communicate with God every single day? This looks like formal prayers and also something that I've come to call living conversations with God, where I might just be walking down the road and having a conversation in my mind. Hey, Father, this is really a big struggle for me. I need some help with this. Or thank you so much for this thing coming around. Or thank you so much for putting this thing in my life or this person in my life. I really appreciate that. It also looks like reading scriptures or other sacred texts. It looks like spending time in quiet or out in nature meditating, allowing God to talk back to you. And for me personally, it also looks like fasting. And I'll talk about this in a second. But just like sleep and food keeps our bodies alive, prayer and scripture keep our souls alive. I think that's really, really important to remember. They strengthen that connection between us and our maker. And we all know that that gives us the strength we need when life starts to fall apart, or it just continues to lead us in the right direction when we don't know where to go, when maybe we're feeling a little bit confused. So like I said, I consider my spiritual health to be just as important as my physical. However, it is a little bit harder for me to remember to nurture it just like I do my food every single day. So the reason I included fasting is because I believe it's very important for us to strengthen the soul to ensure that the body doesn't take over. So like I mentioned before, the body is 
mostly focused on survival. It's going to try to do things that keep it from expending a lot of effort and maximizing that pleasure. That could look like addiction. It could look like doing things that are going to harm our soul because our body likes the way it feels. So fasting is one way that I remind my body that the soul is in charge. I don't do it a lot. I do it once a month for just a couple of meals, but it's uncomfortable. It makes me hungry. I don't love it, but it is an opportunity for me to remind my body that it is not the master. It is the servant. So I would encourage you to try some practice that will deny the body in favor of the spirit every now and again, just to remind the body who's in charge. You can access some really great spiritual power this way. It could look like the new year's coming up. It could look like going off of sugar or Instagram or something that you know your body goes to for comfort instead of going to God. What is something that you can implement in your life where you will deny the body a pleasure in order to tap into more spiritual power? It's a pretty awesome challenge. Okay, so why do we struggle with spiritual self-care? Well, life is busy and the world does not prioritize spiritual things. I don't know if you noticed. Not a priority for the rest of the world. The soul needs rest and it needs quiet in order to commune with God. And we just do not make a lot of time for that. There's not a lot of rest and quiet going on in my life, if, especially if I let things just kind of steamroll me. It can be really easy to go a long time without checking in with what your soul needs and with what God is trying to tell you. So how do we master this spiritual priority? Well, first we have to decide that we want it and then ask ourselves why. And it can't just be for selfish reasons, although that's a good place to start. I just want to feel better or I just want to feel more peace. But I personally choose to make my spirituality priority because I want to show God my dedication and I want to grow and improve in everything I do, all my roles, all my relationships. I know that prioritizing my spirituality will improve me across the board. Another way I master this is that I try to spend time being with or even just listening to those who are spiritually strong and that I see as stronger than I am. When I listen to podcasts or books or any other sort of content consumption, I try to balance the worldly side of things with those that will strengthen the soul. And I try to allow myself to be inspired by those who walk higher spiritual roads than me. And there are a lot of them. I guarantee you probably know some of these people or you follow some. Incorporate their knowledge and insights into your life and then ask God how you can incorporate it more into your own life. A final tip for mastering this spiritual side of things is to write down any spiritual experiences you have. Do you have an experience where you felt really close to God? Do you have an experience where you felt he was telling you something or showing you something? Write it down. And this can help our brains to never forget how important this side of our priorities is. Okay, so let's move on to mental. Now, technically our mind is part of our body. We could argue that body self-care also cares for the mind, but there's an, an additional aspect here because our mind controls everything that we do, think, or say. Because of that, we might actually argue that it's even more important than our physical self-care. We can't even brush our teeth without thinking that we want to. So it's kind of like taking care of the computer that will then make the robot move, the body being the robot. In coaching, we learn that there's actually nothing that we cannot accomplish by harnessing the power of our mind. Sounds a little woo-woo, sounds a little crazy, but we know it's true because we've seen people do seemingly impossible things because they had the mind power for it. Our brain is also, frustratingly enough, responsible for all our suffering and misery. Yes, all of it. It goes through our mind first and we choose to feel the pain or suffering. Now, managing our mind will ensure that we find joy when we want to, but it will also allow us to feel the negative emotion that we choose to feel. Sorrow, anger, frustration or betrayal, 
stress, overwhelm. Sometimes I choose to feel these things. Managing our mind is not about feeling happy all the time. That is not real. (laughs) Real life does not include just happiness. It includes choosing when to feel the negative emotions and when to feel the positive ones. It also ensures we don't stay trapped in negative thought loops. Now, obviously mental and emotional health are very closely related, so we'll get to the emotional in just a second. But let's talk about why we struggle with this mental health. We very often allow our mind to just churn out stories willy-nilly. Like stuff just comes to the surface. We're like, oh, I believe it. Yep, I believe it. And we don't try to manage it. And when we finally learn about coaching, we learn to manage our mind. We're like, oh my goodness, that is optional. That story is optional. And that one is too. And that one is too. It's so powerful. When we don't try to manage those stories, then obviously our emotional health suffers because those feelings that come up are almost impossible to stem because we're believing these stories that are really poisonous. Many of us struggle just because we don't know how to manage our mind and make it work for us, or we just don't practice it enough. Even as a coach, I have to make regular practice of my own self-coaching so that these thoughts don't get totally carried away. So how do we master our minds? Coaching, coaching, more coaching. (laughs) It's the answer to all these, right? We need to identify what stories are causing us pain and start questioning them. Now remember, we're not just going to thought swap. We're not going to acknowledge that there's a story there that we don't like or that's poisonous or not serving us and then just try to shove it out because there's a reason our brain is thinking it. We just need to start questioning it. Sometimes just by telling ourselves, oh, but remember, that's optional. It can release some of the hold that that story has on us. So I also like to strengthen my mind by making time to immerse myself in content that is smarter than me, that teaches me something. I like to be around people who also cause my mind to stretch and to grow both those older and younger. Have you ever been around a child, maybe one of your kids that has said something just so wise that you think, wow, that that was amazing. I just learned something from my three-year-old. I like to be around those who are significantly smarter than me and even those that I might not consider smarter than me because everyone has access to wisdom that we can learn from. I love to learn something new each day. It doesn't have to be super difficult or complex. In homeschooling my kids, I learn new things all the time because I don't remember third grade math to save my life. But I also like to read hard books sometimes, both self-help and fiction, maybe historical fiction so I can learn something new. I like to study difficult concepts sometimes. I do that a lot in my business, discuss them with friends in book clubs or in Sunday school or anywhere you have a chance to sit down and talk to people. Make sure you're making time to meet and affiliate with people who come from different backgrounds than you do. It's so important. We want to talk to people who believe differently from us. We don't want to just sit in our echo chambers for the rest of life. That doesn't teach us anything. And it's way too easy to think that everything you think is correct and right when you never meet somebody who challenges those beliefs. Be open to correction. Be open to learning new things and your mind will expand. It's so wonderful. All right, let's dive into emotional. I think of our emotional self-care as the twin sister of mental health. Emotional health, mental health twins. We know how closely correlated they are when we dive into coaching. If we cannot manage our mind, we will never be able to manage our emotions. Never. Those who struggle with feeling a lot of runaway emotions, like emotions they can't control, maybe they struggle with victim mentality or excessive worry or anxiety. Now that this is barring a mental illness, just regular folks. They generally just haven't learned to manage their mind yet. And this is something I struggled with for many years. I was a very emotional person and not in a good way. I would just allow negative emotions to wash over me and kind of cripple me because I didn't yet know how to manage my mind. In addition, however, to the emotions created by those thoughts that we're talking about, we also have a nervous system and we need to care for it. 
this is very closely tied to our physical well-being. When we're feeling run down or in survival mode, our nervous system tends to act up a lot more often because it thinks we're in danger. We're not sleeping, we're not eating, we're not resting as needed. So watch out for that. There are three main steps in order to kind of check the health of your nervous system. The first one is check. Check your emotional status. Ask yourself, I'm I'm not feeling so great right now. Is it because I feel unsafe? Do I feel safe right now? Am I actually physically safe? And if so, why am I not feeling safe? Did something trigger this? Did somebody say something? Did my circumstances trigger this in some way, right? So check the status and then regulate your nervous system. If you find it dysregulated, you need to work on some breathing, work on your physical comfort. Sometimes it just takes curling under a blanket, breathing, slowing your heart rate. You can co-regulate with another person, ask your husband for a hug or your kids for a hug, and then get some rest. Make sure that your body has the capacity to recover from a dysregulation like that. And then finally, be aware of boundaries that might be crossed. I just did an episode on this, number 34, about boundaries. If your boundaries are constantly being crossed, and there are lots of people in situations coming up who are causing you to feel unsafe, giving you that nervous system response, it might be time to enforce those boundaries. Now, of course, this is not permission for us to avoid anyone and anything we don't like. Like I said, we don't wanna be in an echo chamber and only ever interact with people that make us feel warm and cozy inside, but we want to avoid active trauma. If there are certain things or people that cause us to react in this certain way subconsciously, then we might wanna take a step back. Be very aware of how your nervous system is reacting to certain things. And then also emotionally, we need close relationships. This is something I see a lot of men in my life struggle with because societally here in the West, it's not very culturally appropriate for men to have very close relationships. Girls can walk down the street holding hands and hugging and nobody thinks anything of it, but men don't do that. And I think it's really unfortunate because I think lots of times because of this, they miss out on close, close friendships that they could otherwise benefit from. So please make sure you have close relationships outside of your immediate family, close friends, neighbors, other extended family members. We also need to make sure we are developing good conflict resolution habits. Like I mentioned, when we are trying to improve our mind by associating with people who don't believe the same as us, then we need to understand how to keep the conversation from deteriorating into conflict. And if it does, how do we resolve that conflict peacefully and lovingly? We don't want to bury problems, but we also don't want to rehash them unnecessarily. We want to address them and then we want to move on with love. Also watch out for, when you're looking at your emotional self-care, watch out for excessive negative emotions or behaviors. If you're constantly feeling stressed or you're constantly feeling angry or you feel contempt a lot of the time or a lot of impatience, that might be a clue that something is not quite right. Might mean your nervous system is kicking up in arms a little bit more often than it needs to. It might mean that your mental or physical health is not being taken care of. So just watch out for those emotions, those negative emotions that tend to override you over and over and over again. So why do we struggle with our emotional health? I think it's pretty obvious. It's easy to know what our physical body needs to be healthy, but our emotions are trickier. And many of us just have not been educated in how to take care of our emotions. We're not taught these skills. And very often we were raised around or with or by emotionally immature or unhealthy people that didn't know how to manage their own emotions. It's not their fault. They weren't taught it either. But it's time to stop that cycle. It's time for us to learn and to teach our own children how to manage their emotions. So how do we master this? Hey, guess what? I'm going to say coaching. (laughs) Daily self-coaching. This looks like taking out a piece of paper, dumping all your thoughts down about a specific topic, and then picking out the thoughts that are surprising to you and the ones that are causing a lot of problems. 
Ask yourself what emotions are coming up for you. Ask yourself what actions are the result of that emotion. Take a look at it, parse it out. If you need help with this, go back to my episode about the head, heart, hands model, and that will walk you through how to do a little bit of self-coaching. But that's very, very essential. And make sure that you are coaching from compassion and curiosity. That is always where we want to come from. No self-judgment. I like to ask myself, why am I thinking or feeling this? Let's say I am struggling with a lot of resentment towards someone. Why am I feeling resentment? And again, no judgment, just interesting. Why does this keep coming up for me? What is my brain trying to accomplish or protect me from? And how can I learn more about this? How can I extend myself some more compassion? Do a little research into your nervous system. I highly recommend the episode that Audrey and I did on Outnumber, the podcast, with Leah Davidson. She is a nervous system expert. I will include the link in the show notes. That episode is phenomenal and taught me so much about this really critical part of our bodies and minds that helps to keep us safe and how it can often run amok if we don't watch out for it. Again, make sure you are practicing that compassionate curiosity towards yourself and any weaknesses that come up when you coach yourself. Please don't use self-coaching as an excuse to beat yourself up. That will only make you more miserable. (laughs) Okay, finally, let's talk about creativity. Being creative is absolutely a pinnacle of our self-care, and I'll tell you why. Well, this is my favorite one, just for the record. I think it could also go under mental or emotional, but I think it is a very unique and essential way of taking care of ourselves because our creativity is an inheritance from the creator himself. I truly believe that the great creator of the universe instilled in each one of his children a spark of creativity. And if we ignore it or we claim that we don't have it, I think that's doing ourselves and the whole world a disservice. women in particular are extremely creative. And when we tap into these creative powers, we draw closer to God. I've absolutely felt that happen when I have tried to be more creative in my life. Now, some creative pursuits that we see other people do and I might be a little envious of can be grandiose and life-changing, right? Like having a baby changes your life and creating another human, like talk about the epitome of creativity. Writing a book, or building a house, huge, grandiose, creative pursuits. But some are so tiny and might seem like they don't matter at all, but they help us grow nonetheless. Things like making a meal. How many times do you do that? Well, I'm supposed to do it, what, like 21 times a week? (sighs) I don't do it that often. (laughs) But when I do and I put in some creative effort, it feels so amazing. Sometimes just putting together an outfit makes me feel so creative. Like, oh my gosh, I love how this is going together. Painting a wall can make you feel creative or making a gift for someone. What if instead of looking at our gift list during the holidays as an obligation and this big job, we looked at it as a way of expressing our creativity to our loved ones. Now, why do we struggle with creativity? It sounds so fun. Well, many of us just are really addicted to this story of I'm not creative. Maybe somewhere along the lines, fourth or fifth grade, Somebody told you your drawing of a horse looked like garbage and you chose to decide, well, I guess I'm not creative. Or we don't consider ourselves artists or musicians, ergo, we're not creative. Spoiler alert, we're all creative, not just artists and musicians. Very often we don't value creativity. We might think it's not important. What's important is getting the laundry done. Or we think that some of the things we do aren't creative. Well, I'm here to change your mind because 90% of what we do is probably creative. So how do we master creativity? Well, the definition of creativity is to bring into existence. How many times do you bring something into existence? Like all the time, clean clothes, a meal on the table, a new hairdo. 
or to produce through imaginative skill. So think of all the ways that you can produce something through imaginative skill. I like to start asking myself how I can bring more things into existence. Can I take a picture today? Can I make a bracelet? Can I try a new combination of spices in my dinner? Can I make up a story to tell my kids at bedtime or make a new friend? Throw a party or do a craft? Can I share a new idea with someone on Facebook? Or can I start a book club? So many options. Tapping into our creativity brings us alive in so many ways. Lots and lots of moms talk about losing themselves when they become stay-at-home moms, which just breaks my heart. But I think a lot of this has to do with losing a creative outlet, or again, not considering the things we do to be creative. Without a job outside of our home that requires us to create new ideas and problem solve all day, we can very often forget how creative we are. And it just feels like we're doing the same thing over and over again. All the same laundry, all the same dishes, all the same sweeping the floor. It can be very frustrating, but it really just requires a mindset shift. There are so many options for creativity, even as stay-at-home moms. And as business owners, obviously, there are so many more opportunities for creativity. You know, what's interesting is I love to sew. I had a sewing blog for years. I made tutorials. I made cute things for me, for my kids, for my home. But since starting my coaching business, I have had less and less need to sit in front of my sewing machine and to sew. I still enjoy it every now and again. But what's interesting is it was my sole creative outlet for many years. And now that I have this business, I don't need it as much. But I think we all need something. So if this is something you struggle with, if you don't regularly feel a solid sense of contentment in your life or fulfillment, then start a little journal about creativity. Ask yourself, what does bring me alive? When do I feel fulfilled? When do I feel proud of my accomplishments? When do I feel contented at the end of the day? And then do more of those things. Make sure it's a priority. Schedule it into your day. Schedule it into your week if, if you need to just do it once a week. Do a puzzle on Sunday afternoon. Paint a picture. Come up with a silly story with your kids. Anything to make you feel a little bit more alive by utilizing these creative powers. So you guys, that was the Pentagon of personal priorities. We have physical mental, spiritual, emotional, and creative. Make sure you're taking care of all of these. I hope this doesn't make you feel more overwhelmed, but just ask yourself, which area do I tend to neglect the most? Because we are whole complex human beings who have so much to give the world, but we cannot do it in survival mode. We can't do it by never taking care of ourselves physically or never acknowledging the emotions that we have. We need to show our family, our friends, the world what it looks like to be a whole, complete human being. And then maybe we can inspire others to do the same. All right, friends, that's it. I will talk to you next week. Are you ready to get started on your dream business? Join Finding Your Side Hustle, my digital course that will guide you through discovering what it is you love and how to turn it into a family-friendly business. Are you ready for one-on-one -on -one support as a mom or entrepreneur? Schedule a free coaching call with me to work on the goals you have for your life, including business success, weight loss, or better relationships. I can't wait to help you make progress on your dreams. Oh,